0: A study into the social response of Maori peoples during COVID-19 suggests the tight-knit aspect of indigenous communities could be vital to informing improved public health policies. The research from Charles Darwin University and Auckland University of Technology focused on the remote subtribe of Niati Kahanunu and explored the ways Māori adapted during COVID-19 by turning to family connection and the revival of traditional practices. The Y is Emma Watsky spoke to lead author and CDU associate professor Diane Weeper about what sparked the study.
1: I was approached by a prominent female elder in New Zealand. There was an issue within her tribal region. There needed to be a focus to help access health services. They had an issue with connectivity, so that was the initial approach, and research seemed to be a good way to do that.
0: I understand it also focused largely around social responses to COVID-19. What were some of the main differences in terms of those responses between Indigenous Maori communities? and non-Indigenous communities? For Māori people,
1: which I would assume would be the same for all Indigenous populations, you have a strong sense of connection that already exists through what we call whakapapa or through genealogical links. There's like a cultural obligation to honour those connections from the ancestors through to people that are here today and so that seems to be the theme that runs through the findings with the participants is that strong sense of needing to honour the past to help inform the future. So that pushes the focus on staying connected and helping each other.
0: And what has COVID-19 revealed about the importance of Indigenous knowledge along with the experiences specific to Indigenous communities?
1: This particular tribal area, their marae or traditional meeting house that had burnt down many years ago and with the Maori culture, usually the sense of belonging connects to a marae or a physical structure, a building. And with COVID-19, the community felt... They actually couldn't gather anymore to one place to try and support each other. So they had to come up with other ways of, and innovative ways of staying connected. So they would actually use the school, local school, to gather or connect in with the younger generation to use their mobile technologies to connect with each other. So... One of the positive outcomes from COVID was that the traditional ways of being and gathering food and all of those customary practices were revisited because the young people found that they had more time to be with the older people and learn the traditional ways of hunting and gathering.
0: Did you find that there was a merge between the modern ways of connecting that helped to emphasise traditional ways of connecting? The sense
1: of what we say in Māori culture, tanga, or relationship building is an enduring principle that maintained even with colonisation. And so the participants were able to use the modern technology, I guess, to maintain that sense of who everyone was. So to check up on, say, the elderly people, they, they developed a a system was using technology like with the phones or they would use Zoom or Skype in the local school. Later on when I did a follow-up interview with the folks, there was a cyclone in the region, Cyclone Gabriel in the hometown. The internet and the phones were out and the electricity (laughs) were out for several days. People when they went to try and access health services in particular, they had trouble with the language and having to manually tell the health providers their health number, their name, their address. So that's the next phase. I'm wanting to look for funding for people to have some sort of technology that doesn't rely on connectivity. So when the internet's down and the phones are down, they can still have a way of identifying themselves, especially when they need to find health services.
0: And what other ways could the findings from this this research inform future health policies for these Indigenous communities?
1: You know, when you really listen to the voices and the stories of the people that are most affected, you can hear the solutions. So I think there's a lot to be learned from really uh, engaging with people. Just real simple things around making sure people check in on each other and there's that sense of knowing who your neighbours are, you know, things like that. So not always relying on government to step in. So that resilience really came through. The internal resources were quite astounding that people were able to work with what they had. And I think when you look at the literature, Indigenous populations are always worse off when there is a disaster. They can either be forgotten or they're harder to access because of their remoteness, language barriers, things like that. The digital divide is still a concern that we found. So the remoteness, I think sometimes The telco companies and the government can forget that people that are on lower incomes rely on the lower level internet connections because they may just use text messaging and don't use smartphones. And so sometimes when they're asked, they're trying to find a service, the answer is we'll go online or there's an app for that. I think we just assume everyone knows how to use the internet. So that definitely
0: is something I think we need to be mindful of. Just lastly, on that note, historically, what can be said about the broader impacts of global pandemics on Indigenous communities? How were they affected differently and, and what are the possible flow-ons from that?
1: The leadership from the Māori people was quite amazing. The culture is so used to providing comfort to others, that's ingrained in the culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they actually took the lead on providing pop-up clinics and marae-based services and drive-through services. So even though Māori were trying to help their own, as it were, they never turned people away. So everyone was able to access uh, those sorts of services and it it is endemic in the culture that Māori never turn people away and you'll find that with a lot of indigenous cultures that sometimes you find that the um, indigenous way is a good way for everyone and so if you look after the most vulnerable populations, you find that it actually pushes the rest of the population up because there is a perception if you provide resource or equity
0: resources to
1: one group, they will be privileged in some way, but that is actually illogical because if you look after those that are at the bottom, they push everybody else up.
0: That was Associate Professor Diane Weeper there, speaking with The Wire's Emma Watsky.